Hi there. This is your host, Allison McGee. I'm coming to you today on a rainy late afternoon. The kind of rain that patters on the leaves brings a cool breeze that feels like fall around the edges. Today is going to be a little different. I'm going to read to you from my brand new novel, Where We Are, just the first opening pages, and then talk a little bit about its origin story. Where We Are is about two teens, Micah and his girlfriend, Sesame. Micah's parents have been sucked into a cult led by a man who calls himself the prophet. It's been a slow and inexorable process that happened while Micah stood helplessly watching as they let their lives be taken over. And now the prophet has taken not only his parents, but Micah himself, and he is trapped in the basement of an abandoned building, seemingly with no way out. The novel switches back and forth from Micah's voice to Sesame's throughout the entire book, but I'll just read you a little of the opening, which is in the voice of Micah. Here we go. Where we are, by me. (laughs) How it happened. Because they're my parents. Because I love them. Because I worried about them. Because I thought if I stayed with them, I could keep them safe. Imagine yourself in my situation, an only child of two parents who had always adored me and worried about me and tried to keep me safe. That was our family. Let me try this again. How it happens. How it happens is confusing. Maybe I'm the thing that's confused. My mind feels kind of faded. Okay, try this. Look around you and state something that's objectively true. I don't know where you are, but maybe it's hot and humid there. Maybe it's the hottest, most humid day of the summer. Say, it's hot and humid out today, which is true, right? Now make yourself alter it, just a little, like this, and say it in your mind. It's hot and dry today. Now say it out loud. Geez, it's hot and dry today. Tell yourself it's hot, which it is, and dry, which it isn't. Make yourself say it as if it's true. Torque your brain. Squeeze it. Put a little crimp somewhere inside your own maze of neurons and synapses, then crimp the hell out of it. Go against your own self and what your own self knows to be true. It's hot and dry today, Micah. It's hot, 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 and dry, dry, dry. Tell yourself you're not sweating. Tell yourself your t-shirt isn't clammy and damp and sticking to your back. Your lungs aren't filling with steamy air. Tell yourself it's too dry out for that shit. Over and over and over. Tell yourself things that aren't true, that you know in your body aren't true, and see what happens to you. Maybe you think you won't be able to convince yourself that something you know is true isn't. Maybe you think you're impervious to that kind of thing. Maybe, whoever you are and wherever you're standing on the hottest, stickiest day of the year, with your clothes drenched in sweat, you're thinking something like, whoever believes it's not humid out when it's the stickiest fucking day of the whole summer and every single woman, man, child, dog, cat, bird you see is half dead from humidity is someone who's not in control of their own senses. 
then welcome to the South Compound. That is how it happens. When the knock came, my parents were upstairs getting ready for bed, so I answered the door. It was weird to see Deason, the head acolyte, outside of reflection. Weirder yet to see him in a black hoodie. Not the type, Deason. In fact, the complete opposite of a black hoodie type is Deason. I mean, he'd tied the hoodie strings underneath his chin. But still, there he was, white face tilted up beneath the hoodie brim, appraising me. Bless the child, Acolyte Deason, I said. That was, is, how members of the Living Lights greet each other. Gather your parents and your duffels and follow me, he said. We are called to the South Compound. See how he didn't address me as Acolyte Stone? That's Deason. He has dead eyes. The prophet once praised Deason's eyes in reflection, saying that they revealed purity of purpose. What purpose, though? That's what I wanted to ask, but didn't. Like everyone else, I didn't ask questions during reflection. One day into this underground life, I think about that. How none of us questioned the prophet or anything he said. Our duffels were pre-packed and waiting at the top of the stairs. The white robes and white underwear we had all been issued months before. A gallon jug of water each. The reflections book that the prophet had written and self-published and that the living lights used instead of a Bible and a brush or comb. My parents looked up at me from the bathroom sink where they were brushing their teeth. They always brushed their teeth at the same time. When I told them that Deason was there, it was time to go to the south compound, get the duffels and follow him. They didn't ask any questions. They just nodded. That's something else I think about now. They rinsed and spat, and then the three of us packed our toothbrushes into our duffels and went downstairs where Deason was waiting by the door. Bless the child, Acolyte Stone, he said to my parents. See, he called them Acolytes. And then, did you send in the school excuse note last week as instructed? My father nodded. Uh, what excuse note? I said, You are hereby excused from high school beginning tomorrow through the end of winter break for a family activity, Decent said, fully in compliance with Minneapolis Public Schools attendance policy. I stared at my parents, but they didn't meet my eyes. What the hell? No one had told me about this. This was a Wednesday night, and there was still a full week of school left before winter break began. In compliance or not, no way could I miss that much school, not junior year. And family activity? Deep inside me, an alarm went off, an invisible, insistent alarm, which got louder when Deason spoke again. Phones, he said, and pointed at the kitchen counter. Wait, what? Phones? That wasn't part of Sesame's my plan. The prophet had been hinting that the time was nigh for the living lights to begin phase two of the project. He had bought an abandoned building somewhere in South Minneapolis, no one knew where exactly, with the money he'd collected from the congregation, and the plan was to turn it into some kind of living lights retreat center. Phase one, buying the building, which he named the South Compound. Phase two, everyone training together for retreat center life. Phase three, opening the retreat center. Phase four, taking over the world? Making the prophet the divine ruler of all? Shit, I don't know. I quit listening about five minutes into every one of his lectures. Anyway, 
Sesame is my plan if they actually came for us. I would bring my phone and text her once we got to the south compound, and I knew for sure where we were. So the phone's moment was the first moment that I felt uneasy. Truly uneasy, I mean. Not laugh about the doings of the living lights with Sesame uneasy. Not this'll be a great story someday uneasy. Without my phone, a way to keep it charged, and enough of a signal, I would be alone. No way to contact Sess or anyone. Why haven't we thought of that? Why haven't we thought things through? Why hadn't we taken things seriously? Correction. Why hadn't I taken things seriously? So, I'm thinking today about books and where they come from, how they make their way into the world. Writing is such a slow art, for me anyway. I spend a lot of my time with a painter who makes giant paintings, enormous paintings, but he makes them in a matter of weeks, which he considers long, sometimes days. He works all day long and he works hard and he comes home covered with paint. I don't write all day in terms of fingers on keyboard. But when I'm writing a book, it lives inside me, goes everywhere I go, torments me often, sometimes wakes me up. Writing a book is a slow, inward, absorbing process. It's both exhilarating and exhausting. Except for this novel, Where We Are, which which was inward and absorbing, but it wasn't slow. That novel pounded itself out of me over a few months, a year and a half ago. It was born out of fury and fear. Fury at everything I thought my country wasn't capable of, but apparently is. Fear of how a charismatic person, and please note that my definition of charisma is broad, as in, charisma is a magnetic quality that can be used for good or bad, a kind of magnetism that can be used to manipulate, to twist, to suck the susceptible into its orbit. Fury that those closest to him, our elected employees, have not stood up to him. So, fury and fear. Why do some people crave fame, crave followers, crave control? Does it make them feel alive, powerful, Does it fill a hole inside them? Or is there a hole inside them so deep that it can't be filled, but they keep trying and trying and trying, no matter the cost to others, to themselves, to the country, to the world? So fury and fear galvanized my fingers into their wild dance on this keyboard. And if you saw this keyboard, you would laugh. because most of the letters and numbers are worn off even though my laptop is only six months old. This is my lifelong pattern with keyboards. But you know what? Fear and fury cannot be the entirety of a book. Just as humans are capable of evil, so are they capable of redemption. Even in the gravest of circumstances, even when lives are on the line, that, too, is the story of this novel.
thinking about power and control and why some people seem to crave it with all their beings makes me think of this quote by Walt Whitman, especially the lines about taking off your hat to nothing known or unknown or to any man or number of men and about going freely with powerful, uneducated persons and with the young and with the mothers of families. This is What You Shall Do by Walt Whitman This is what you shall do. Love the earth and sun and the animals. Despise riches. Give alms to everyone that asks. Stand up for the stupid and crazy. Devote your income and labor to others. Hate tyrants. Argue not concerning God. Have patience and indulgence toward the people. Take off your hat to nothing known or unknown or to any man or number of men. Go freely with powerful, uneducated persons, and with the young, and with the mothers of families. Read these leaves in the open air every season of every year of your life. Re-examine all you have been told at school or church or in any book. Dismiss whatever insults your own soul, and your very flesh shall be a great poem, and have the richest fluency not only in its words, but in the silent lines of its lips and face, and between the lashes of your eyes, and in every motion and joint of your body. Well, that is it for today's episode, my friends, and thank you for listening. If you liked it, please spread the word by sending this link to someone else who might like it, and give us a good rating if you are so inclined. If you're interested in picking up a copy of my brand new novel published today, which is called Where We Are, and which stars Sesame and Micah in a battle to save Micah's life, please do. If you'd like to interpret it as an allegory for the times we're living in, feel free. <laughs> Where We Are is available everywhere you buy or borrow your books. Original theme music for our show is by Dylan Parisi. Additional music composed and performed by Kelly Krebs. Today's quote by Walt Whitman can be found in the public domain and was read by writer and voice actor Luke O'Brien, whose contact info can be found in our show notes. Words by Winter is created and hosted by me, writer Allison McGee. If you're going through a tough, uncertain time, let me know, will you? I'll go in search of a poem to help you through, to help us all through, the way that poems have been helping me ever since I was a little girl. Sometimes life feels too hard, too intense, just too much. And if that's where you are right now, send me a voice memo via email to wordsbywinterpodcast at gmail.com or drop me a line at the same address. For more information, go to alisonmcgee.com. Words by Winter. Conversations, reflections, and poems about the passages of life. Because it's rough out there. And we have to help each other through. Mm -hmm.